0: My first scripture reading comes from Matthew chapter 17. And this wasn't in the lectionary. They kind of skipped over it, but I thought we needed to go through it. And the title of my message today is Questions. Because we all have questions in our lives that we would like to ask God. After six days, Jesus takes Peter and James and John, his brother, and brings them up into a high mountain apart. And was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elijah, talking with him. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he yet spoke, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of this cloud, which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear you Him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and be not afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. And as they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, saying, Tell the vision to no man, until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. And his disciples asked him, saying, why then say the scribes that Elijah must first come? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Elijah truly shall first come and restore all things. But I say unto you that Elijah is come already. And they knew him not, but have done unto him whatsoever they listed. Likewise shall also the son of man suffer of them. Then the disciples understood that he spoke unto them of John the Baptist. The word of God for the children of God. Now to all of God's children today, amen. Now, as I was going through the scripture, I was thinking, what an awesome question the disciples had. I thought Elijah was supposed to come and restore all things before the Lord comes. And and Jesus said, Yeah, he is. But see, that was prophecy from 420 BC from the, uh, the prophet Malachi. He wrote in his book the sign to look for when Jesus, when the Lord was coming. But see, he didn't write, in fact, let's go to that prophecy. Malachi 4, verses 1 through 6. It's the last book in the Old Testament. says, and this was in 460 B.C., 430 B.C., excuse me. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven... And all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble, and the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name, shall the son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings. And you shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And you shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet. In that day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel with the statutes and judgments. And then here's the prophecy. Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to the fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. There's what Jesus was talking about. So what happened? They rejected him. They rejected Elijah, the prophet, and John the Baptist. Now, now when, when the, the, the Bible says that Elijah will come, it's not Elijah physically, Elijah. It's the spirit of Elijah, the Holy Spirit that was in Elijah, that fiery Holy Spirit that Elijah had. Now, he was a prophet back in 830 B.C., 400 years before this prophecy here. He was a prophet in Israel during the time of uh, the kings, and in Second Kings you'll read about him if you want to learn about the prophet Isaiah, uh, Elijah. Now he's the prophet that called fire down on an offering from God to prove to the people that God is God. And he called everybody together, and he, he called all the prophets of Baal together, and he said, uh, we'll set up an altar, and you make an offering, and, and whoever, uh, call, whoever burns up that offering with fire, their God is God. And so the false prophets, they did all this stuff and they were out there and they were dancing around and they were chanting and stuff and nothing happened. But Elijah came to his time. He said, okay, in fact, let's read this real quick. It's in Kings 18, 2 Kings 18. Uh, Let me find it. <laughs> Okay, well, maybe I'm wrong here. Well, anyway, I'll just tell you the story. He called down, he had it up there, and he, he made this altar, brought this bull up there, and then Elijah said, okay, now, put water on it. And they pulled a bunch of water on it. I mean, gallons and gallons and gallons of water all over and around it. And he called down, he prayed to God, and God shot down fire ate up the whole sacrifice, burned up the whole sacrifice, all the water and the bricks, everything. And so he proved that God is God in Israel. And then he killed the 400 prophets of Baal. He killed them with a sword. And then the very next day, he went and hid from Jezebel. Ahab, King Ahab's wife, Jezebel, because she was of those prophets, the false prophets, and it was her that was... Forcing Israel, Ahab, to follow these false prophets and false gods. Well, the very next day, Elijah heard that she was out to get him. So he ran and hid. He was scared. He ran and told God, God, you might as well take me out now. Because she seeks to kill me. And, and so I'm just I'm ready to die. And so, you know, that gets me. That's what really gets me. is Here's Elijah, this mighty prophet of God. One day he's full of fire and faith. Calling down fire from heaven. Of course, he wasn't doing it. God was doing it. But he got the credit. That's the way all these prophets do. They do something and and people think they're doing it when it's actually God doing it through their word. But here he is the very next day, afraid. Full of power and faith one day, and the next day he's afraid and coward and hiding. Anybody ever been there? I have. And and I'm sure all of us have and we will be again. But that's how it is in this life. One day you're full of faith and fire and and then the very next day you can be so distressed, depressed, and broken. But still, God was faithful. God comforted him in his his misery and his doubt and his fears. God brought comfort to him and raised him back up. But see, that, that's what God does. And that's when you have these questions. Why? Why does why this, this happen? Why do each of us have to go through these struggles? And, and then some days we're all ready to fire. We're fired up with God and we're, we're good to go. And then the next day we're broken and busted. It's like we forget where we've come from. We forget what God has done. And that's how it is. And the disciples were wondering, well, what about this, Lord? Where's this Elijah at, you know? And then Jesus told them he came. And they killed him. They cut his head off. And they're going to do the same thing to the Son of Man. They're going to kill him the third day, he's going to rise again. And, you know, they didn't even ask him questions about that. You know, what? Who's this? They were worried about this Elijah thing. Who's this Elijah? Well, John the Baptist. And so, and then, do you remember what the, what the prophecy said? Least I come and smite the earth with a curse. What happened? They rejected him. They killed him. And then they killed the Messiah. And not, not the basic people of Israel, the, the Israel's leaders, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, and the Romans, they had him killed because he was a threat to their kingdom, to their rule, they thought. But Jesus was doing a different work. He was saving man's souls. He knew this had to happen. But Israel did get smitten with a curse because they rejected John the Baptist. They rejected Jesus. Forty years after the resurrection of Jesus, Israel was destroyed and scattered across the whole face of the earth in 70 AD by the Romans. They were smitten by a curse. And they spread around through the whole world, and they, every one of them denied Jesus. And they're still doing it today. The God of glory, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, came to this earth, went to his people. It was prophesied. But he also knew what they were going to do. Because you know why they did that? They didn't see Jesus and John the Baptist as men of stature. You know why? They were poor. They were poor. They were raised up in poor families. They came from the low class of the side. They didn't live in Pharisees' mansions and the castles. No. They were from the broken neighborhoods. And you know, does anything good come from there? That's what people always said. But God had this plan to come into this world as a poor beggar A pauper. And live among the people. The people that He loved. Broken people. People with issues. People with sin in their life. And Jesus said, these are the ones I come for. Now, one scripture that I read to the kids about we all have angels. The next verse, it says, For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. How thank ye, if a man have a hundred sheep and one of them go astray, doeth he not leave the ninety and nine and goeth into the mountains and seeketh that which is gone astray? And if so be that he find it, verily I say unto you, he rejoices more of that sheep than of the ninety and nine which went not away. Even so it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. That's words of Jesus. That's words of hope. There's words of love and compassion. It's not the will of our Father that anyone perish. That's why Jesus became flesh. That's why God came here. And that's why he was rejected. God knew he was going to be rejected. But he had to be rejected so they would kill him so he could pay for the sins of the world. He had to pour out his blood, all of it. The righteous for the unrighteous. Holy for the unholy. It was a part of God's plan of salvation, like we were talking about last week. This all just goes together. Part of God's plan for salvation. And, and if you step back and you look at the big picture, and you see love all over it. Love. L-O-V-E. The love of the Father for His people, His children. We are all created in His image. Every one of us here. You are an image of the living God and He wants to dwell in your hearts, in your life. He wants to use you for His glory to bring others to Him because it's not the Father's will that any perish. None. Even our worst enemies, God loves them. God sees their hearts. He sees their brokenness. He realizes that each one of us, every person was born a little baby. There's somebody's baby. Your neighbor, there's somebody's son or daughter. Some parents, a mom and dad, went to the hospital and had that baby and it was a joy of their life. Happiness. Grandparents just loved them. But then we grow up and we get caught up in the things of the world, things of the flesh. We forget what's righteous and what's, what's not. And we fall into that plan that everybody has. The American dream. What's good for me? What do I want? What's my life going to be like? Why am I even here? Am I here to live in big houses and drive brand new cars and, and have the best of everything? Or am I here to point people to Jesus? Because that's where the great kingdom is. When Jesus sets His new kingdom up, you want to be there. And we want everybody to be there. God wants everybody to be there. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And then He's, He's found all of us. He's placed us where He's placed us in our lives. This is real life stuff. Church is not in a form of entertainment. Church is where you come and get filled with God's Spirit and God's Word to build you up so you can keep on keeping on. So you can be out there in the battlefields in the world where the brokenness is at. So you can be a light in the darkness like Jesus and his disciples were. And we can have a lot of questions because the disciples did. We all do. There's been questions throughout history. Why'd this have to happen? Why'd this go down this way? And that's the way life is. And sometimes we're not going to get the answers until we meet face to face. And like Jesus told His disciples, well, it was supposed to be that way. He did come, but He was not received the way He was hoping to be received, but He knew He wasn't going to be. Because just think if Israel would have received Jesus as their King. The Pharisees, everybody said, alright, God is the, they've seen it, here He is, hey, it's finally happening. But no. And you know, you know what got in their way? Pride. Greed. They were worried about losing their position as the Pharisees and scribes and as where they were appointed at in, their, in the synagogues and in the temple. And a lot of people get that way. They're worried about losing their uh, position, their authority, or their rank. And they're jealous of something else, of somebody else. And they're willing to hurt that person to keep their situation the way it is. And that's how it was. That's how it is. That's life. That's how life is. But us, as God's children, we should see through these things and realize God has called us for something greater. Something better. Something more that you can feel good about yourself. When, when you get up in the morning and think, you know what? I, I've, I've helped people see Jesus. I help people see the truth of the world. And I did it the way God wanted me to. Gently, loving, compassionate. And remember, you're not alone. You got the Holy Spirit. And plus, you have a guardian angel that's always in the presence of the Lord on your behalf. That's good news if you ask me. And, when, and, when, you know, and I've I knew this and I've read it a thousand times. But when you get back in it and you go back over it, it's like the Holy Spirit reminds you, now remember, you're not in this alone. You're not doing this by your own, yourself and your own strength. I have called you. I have put you there. And that's each one of us. What you're, where you're at in your life. It's not, a, it's not a, by chance or accident. It's a divine will of God. So be glad where you're at in your life. And know that it's a, it's a learning experience that God is teaching you how to walk, how to talk. Just like a little newborn babe. And that's where we're at. And sometimes we stumble and fall. And he picks us back up. This is the way, walk you in it. And you know, discouragement can come on you and you wanna give up, but don't give up. When, you, when that happens, I've, I've found the best thing, when you get discouraged and beat down, the best thing to do, go take a nap. Go take an hour nap and sleep it off and then get up with a different attitude. Sometimes my hour naps turn into three hours. But sometimes you just need to escape reality and get some rest and stay in God's Word to help strengthen your inner person, to help you keep going every day, no matter what the enemy throws at your life. You can put on that shield of faith and you can keep walking with Jesus knowing that He was promised to never leave you or forsake you. It's the Word of God. It's the strength of God. It's the hope in your heart that keeps you going. The faith that you have, that God is real, and God is with you, and he will never leave you. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your words. And Lord, you know each one of us have questions upon questions, but we know you have the answers. So Lord, this week, as we go through our lives, this day, reveal yourself to us in a new way, Lord. Answer those questions that we have. We love You, Lord. And we know, each one of us here, we know we need You. And we know that we can do nothing without Your Holy Spirit, without all the things You have done for us. Fill us with Your Holy Spirit and guide and direct our lives for Your glory, Lord, to seek and save the lost, that none perish in Jesus' holy name. Amen.